Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Author Dr. Darren Boyer has a new six-week study out right now that focuses on redemption, grace, and freedom. It's entitled, I Am Redeemed. Darren's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Darren, thank you for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. Now, it's great to have you. So can you tell us about I Am Redeemed? Yes, this is a study that I actually wrote for a church and churches in general. It's a study that we would do every fall. We would start about the time school got back in session. And we would do this as a whole church study, kind of draw our attention back after the vacation period to get people back engaged in the church again. And so it's just a really neat uh, book concept that God gave me about redemption to help broken people who are just all over the place and they just need hope. About how long did it take you to get everything organized and then into book format? It, it took definitely six weeks. It took a lot longer to edit and get it to, to where I was approving of it. But every week, uh, God would kind of orchestrate it one week at a time in order to get it to where I could hand it out on Sunday mornings. And then uh, each week, God would give me all that I needed, and it would be completed every Saturday night about midnight. And it worked out pretty well that way. Now, this is a study that was originally directed at big groups. Would this be something for individuals as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great individual devotional type study, and it's great for small groups. And, and, and we're finding in recent months that it's also very good for house churches in the, in the absence of the church structures because of COVID. So it's been really timely. Is this the first time you've been published? It is. It is the first time. I've written some other little things for publications and magazines, but but this is really the first time. Wow. Congratulations. It's, a, it's such a big deal getting your first one out there on shelves. Uh, how does it feel to know that your word is being spread now to a broad audience? Well, the word I, I think I would use is pleasing. Uh, it, it's just, it brings me pleasure to, to have something completed, something that will stand the test of time, uh, that will go on beyond me. It's just something that kind of is a culmination of a lot of things I've been through and a lot of things I've, I've found in scriptures over the years. So it just, I'd say pleasing is probably the best word. If an aspiring author came to you for advice, what would you say? Well, I would definitely encourage them to pray about it because the Holy Spirit has an ability to get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. Whereas without God's help, it would normally take me a really long time and it would cause a lot of confusion in my mind. And when you're trying to think about how to structure your chapters and how to outline the entire concept, uh, the Holy Spirit did a really great work. And so I would encourage people to pray a lot about those types of things. Now, being a pastor yourself, you do a lot of writing on a regular basis. Do you ever still deal with writer's block? Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, it does come up from time to time. And usually it comes up when I'm at my busiest when I have a lot of things going on during the week and I can't spend time alone with the Lord and I can't really focus. So I, I would encourage people to really make sure you're, you're keeping your Sabbath and, and make sure that you're keeping your prayer life active and just trusting in the Lord to help you through that. But you have to keep being persistent as well. Are there more books in your future? Are you thinking of publishing more? 
Well, absolutely. I, I have another one done. You know, the, the first one is called I Am Redeemed. The second one I have finished, but I haven't edited well enough yet, is called I Am. And it's putting all of the focus on who God is in contrast to who we are in this first study that I wrote. And so I, I anticipate seeing a whole lot more coming down the road. It's a six-week study, I Am Redeemed, a six-week study on redemption, grace, and freedom by Dr. Darren Boyer, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you find your reading material. Well, Darren, thank you for chatting with me tonight. It was great talking with you. Well, thanks. I appreciate all that you do. What's a mouse's favorite game to play? You'll find out in Stephanie M. Wilkerson's new book, There Will Be No Mouse in Grammy's House. Stephanie is here with me right now. Stephanie, thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I had to say the title that way to give it a little bit of authority. <laughs> there will be <laughs> no mouse in Grammy's house. Can you tell us about it? It's a story of a young boy who goes to spend the day with his beloved grandma, and a humorous situation ensues with an uninvited visitor, a little gray mouse. <laughs> uh, what gave you the idea for this? Actually, it was sort of a takeoff on something that happened in my own kitchen where I looked down and I see a little mouse <laughs> and I freaked out and I yelled, there will be no mouse in Grammy's house. <laughs> Actually, th this really happened. <laughs> Based on true life. What was the writing process like? Was this a difficult thing for you? A lot of changes took place with this. Corey, I started this book, believe it or not, in 2007. I sent it out briefly a couple places and they said they liked it, but it needed more oomph or something, right? So then I took it back, of course, and I redid everything several times. And then I said, I'm not sending it out anymore. I just didn't want to hear another rejection, <laughs> right? So I put it in the drawer. And that's where it's been until 2019 when I sent it out to, of course, my publisher. And they liked it. That's the beginning of the story. So after having shelved it for so many years, what gave you, what inspired you to publish it? I just wanted to see my work finally in print. I really did. And so I, I forged right ahead and I'm glad I did. Is this your first publication? This is my first book. I had a poem published in 2008, but this is my first book. Oh, how's that feel for you now having that out there finally? I'm telling you, I was so excited to hold that beautiful book in my hands that I, I, I can't tell you. I, was, I had like goosebumps on me. I was so excited. What advice would you give to aspiring authors? Never, ever give up, Corey. Never give up. Keep sending it out. Keep talking it up to people. Keep on, keep going with it, you know, and also always keep a little notebook with you. If you see something interesting in your travels or your normal day, write it down. And later on, that could become the basis of a nice book. Are you thinking of writing more? I have others that were in the drawer with this one. <laughs> and I'm working on, in fact, one I did already send to the publisher. So I'm waiting to see what we'll do with that. That's a book of poems. So what kinds of things do you read in your spare time? I love mysteries, either fictional or nonfiction, and I also love a Victorian romance-type novel. Those are my favorite genre. What age group of children do you think this is best suited for? That would be the toddler all the way up to, say, maybe nine years of age. 
That's great. And I will admit, as a parent myself, there are some children's books out there that the parents enjoy as well. So maybe adults will get a kick out of this too, enjoying it with their children. I hope so. I've had a couple grown-ups buy it, so that's good. And I'm not ashamed to say that I enjoy some children's books every once in a while. So I do too. It reminds me of growing up and I loved to read, loved to go to the library and all. So it's just it just takes you back to another place in time. Absolutely. Well, I encourage listeners to check this out. It is called There Will Be No Mouse in Grammy's House by Stephanie M. Wilkerson, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you pick up your books. Stephanie, thank you for being here tonight. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Corey. I enjoyed it also. I wish I would have had this next book when I was in school. It's called The Secret of How to Pass Tests, and the author is William Eaton, who is here with me right now. William, thank you for being with me here tonight. It's my pleasure. So, can you tell us about your book? What would you like to know? I'm I'm giving information that everybody is aware of, but they don't teach it in school. And I thought this is something that the children in school and the adults that are taking tests, they need to know it. So I just made it simple and easy and put it all together in the form of a book. Have you written or been published before? I wrote, my first book I wrote was called The Money Book of Dreams, and it was about how to save and invest money. And I show how to save a dollar a day and in 50 years have a million dollars saved and accumulated. I said that was information that I that I got that doesn't get published too much. <laughs> so I thought everybody needed to know it and then they could use it. How was the process of writing the book? Did it come easy to you? Did it take a long time? Well, I had never written anything in my life, so I just I just kept putting ideas down on paper and then one day I I started to put it all together. How does it feel knowing that your book is out there for the world now? <laughs> I feel great. It's unbelievable. What advice would you give to people who want to do the same thing? I would say whatever comes into your head, I believe it's from God. And you just have to put it together. And once you understand it, just start putting it in writing so you don't lose it. Looking down the road, are you writing more books? I have another one I'm thinking of now. (laughs) (laughs) The Secret of How to Pass Tests. It sounds to me like this is targeted at students. Now, is this meant for them or is this broader? Well, and there are some adults that have to take tests on their jobs. Or when I started out, I was a licensing instructor for insurance and investments. So as an adult, Sometimes you get confronted with a program where you have to take a test and get certified. So it's not just young people, it's it's all ages. And you talk about God in the book, saying there's a spiritual aspect to all of this. Can you talk about that? For a long time, I had problems with churches and things, and I I had an experience, and I got close to God. Sometimes we're looking for God to talk to us, and physically he doesn't talk to us, but he gives us ideas. And the idea for this book came to me from him. 
because I was having trouble. A lot of students were failing tests. I was taking tests and failing them, and I'm saying, what the heck is going on? And I asked God to give me the solution, and he did. And that's how I wrote the book. (laughs) And throughout the book, you make the metaphor of the brain being a computer. Yeah, when God designed us all, he gave us a brain, and the brain... Every computer on Earth is trying to duplicate what we already have as a brain. The only thing we didn't get was a book of instructions on how to use it. And and there is a book of instructions called the Bible. And everything is in there, but sometimes we bounce around and we, we come up with our own solutions. But it's all basic and simple. This book is The Secret of How to Pass Tests by William Eaton. Published by Fulton Books, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, as well as anywhere else you find your reading material. William, thank you for your time. It was great talking with you tonight. Oh, yeah, thank you. You're in for some Southern charm with the new novel Adventures of a Small Town Matchmaker by Nisha Gilliam-Whittingham, who's joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Nisha, thank you for joining me tonight. Corey, I'm so happy to to get to speak with you. I'm glad to have you here, Nisha. You have a great Southern accent, and we're in for some Southern charm, like I said, here with Adventures of a Small Town Matchmaker. Can you tell me about it? Absolutely. Uh, You know, the truth is, most people are looking for love, and that's what this book focuses on. It's about looking for love in a small town, and this small town happens to be Star Falls, and it's like everyone that you've ever met. It's, it's like your neighbors and, and my neighbors because truly we're all very similar. Where did the idea to write this come from? Well, actually I worked for, worked for a large regional library system and I noticed how many of our patrons were on the computer filling out their profiles and pretty much everyone was looking for love. And I always thought, just look to your left or right. You, I mean, it's right there waiting on you. And uh, I think that's a great common denominator. People are lonely. Uh, they're interested in finding another relationship. And, and that's, that's the whole pretense of the book. Is this the first thing you've written or the first time you've been published? No, actually, I, I've written a number of things. also wrote a children's book about uh, attention deficit disorder, and it's called Zane Pay Attention. And then I've had a number of works published, but this is something that I'm really proud of. It speaks to my heart. It was a lot of fun to write. Are you thinking about writing more? Actually, I'm working on Starfall Book 2, and it's set in the same town, of course, and it is centered around what goes on in a beauty shop. So what was the writing process like for this? How long did it take you, and was it a hard process? It took about two years. Actually, my characters talk to me, so I guess I'm one of those people that you can say, here's voices. My characters would wake me up in the night and say, hey, well, remember, I, I, I think this is what happened, or this is what I'm going to do. Um, it, it took me quite a while, but it was all based on, on what the character said, what they told, uh, how they lived their life, and uh, I, it, it was really enjoyable to me to write. It was a great distraction for me. Did you ever get writer's block? 
Oh, no, absolutely not. I've written all my life. English, of course, and literature were always my favorite subjects, and I'm a voracious reader. I'm always writing something. What advice would you give, then, to aspiring authors? One thing that's always worked for me, I always keep paper and pencil beside my bed because you can get some great idea in the middle of the night or just as you're drifting off to sleep, and sometimes you lose those thought patterns, and so I have found that very helpful to me. And then, too, I just think the more you read and the more you're out there in the world meeting people, seeing what is going on in the world around you, to me, no one is safe as far as not ever showing up in one of my stories. If I've met you, you're probably going to appear somewhere in my writing. This is Adventures of a Small Town Matchmaker by Nisha Gilliam Whittingham. Published by Fulton Books, you can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and every place else you get your books. Nisha, thank you for being here tonight. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much, Corey. Have a great evening. Author Richard Rogers celebrates finding the goodness in others in his new book, Pond Kids. Roger is sitting down with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Richard, thank you for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us about Pond Kids? Well, it was a book that I first thought of it about 30 years ago, and I was always going to write it for my kids. And well, it didn't get written until I retired, and now I've written it for my grandkids. What was that writing process like? Was it a smooth one? Uh, at first, for, like I thought about it for years, and at first it was, you know, kind of like tearing up paper and throwing it away. And then, you know, just kind of came to me and I was just busy writing and writing and writing and turned out okay, evidently. Is this the first thing you've written? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Wow, congratulations getting it published and out there to the world. Uh, How's that feel? Pretty good, pretty good. It's uh, when you, you know, there's, it's a long process to get there. And once you finally get the book in your hand, it's like, wow, I really did this. Now, when it came to the illustrations and working those in with what you had written, what was that like? The publisher really did a good job with the illustrations with what I was trying to, you know, portray to them as, as kind of what I wanted. So that actually worked out pretty good. Will there be more in your future? Are you thinking about continuing writing? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. If, if the book is successful enough, I, I plan on writing more of them. Now, going through this all, what advice would you have now for people who are on their first book, want to get their first book out there? Don't be intimidated by how big the process can be. Just get it written and just keep bugging people until you get what you want. Writing children's books is an art form in and of itself. Would you consider going outside that genre, maybe writing something a little bit different? Not at this moment. I thought I was doing pretty good to be able to write a kid's book. I don't know how I'd deal with another one. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a person in your life that's most inspired you to take this writing journey? Probably two would be my mother and my grandfather. When I was a kid, when I was first starting to read, I would lay on under the desk, one of those stand-up desks with a nightlight on it, reading my mom would wake me up and tell me to go back to bed. And my grandmother was a school teacher, and she taught me a lot about reading and taught me to love to read. So it was kind of natural that I'd been reading all my life. So then I decided maybe I should write a book. As a reader, what kinds of things do you like to read? Mostly I like uh, like murder mysteries and that kind of thing. And some of the stuff, the, the uh, historical things about the Old West. When you get stuck for ideas, when you hit writer's block, how do you get through it? Uh, usually I just put the pen down and go and do something else and see if, uh, if the ideal will make its way back into my head. 
Now, is Pond Kids for really young kids? Is it for a little bit older kids? Is it for a broad spectrum? What would you say? It's, I would say, kind of a broad spectrum. Uh, my oldest granddaughter is nine, and she really enjoyed the book. And then, you know, of course, all the way down to the three-year-olds. So I think older than that, they, they, they might get a little bit like, this is too much for little kids. You know how 10 and 11-year-olds get. Absolutely. And hopefully parents will enjoy reading this with their kids as well. Yes. Yes, I hope that they do. So is there anything else you'd want to tell listeners right now about Pond Kids that we haven't talked about yet? The only thing that I guess I would say is that uh, it, it kind of reflects the times, although when I thought about it and, and came up with the idea to write it, it, it didn't at all. But learn to play with each other and it doesn't matter, you know, like what color your skin is or what, what your faith is or anything like that. You know, like didn't, if we didn't bias the little kids as adults, I think it'd be a better world today if we let them kind of go their own way. This book is Pond Kids by Richard Rogers, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and everywhere else you pick up your books. Richard, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Life is a journey planned by God for each of us, and author Elizabeth Rose's book, The Great North Wind, Seasons of Life, reminds readers that God is in the entire process. Elizabeth is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Elizabeth, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us about The Great North Wind? Well, a little bit about the book. I would say that it is a way of letting people know that God can be seen through nature. I especially want children to be able to realize the importance of that. In the particular book, it talks about Easter, and then it also talks about the different traditions that we do have that we celebrate. And I want children to realize that it's not just about tradition, but it is about God and how he influences those things. Would you say this is a book geared towards children then, or is it meant for a broader audience? Um, it's geared towards children, but at the same time, adults can enjoy it as well. Is this the first book you've written or the first time you've been published? No, I've submitted, uh, this was actually a poem, and I submitted it to a particular agency many years ago. They published it in a book with other poetry as well. But I would say that this book itself is my first published book. Oh, congratulations on having it up there on shelves. How does that feel? Um, it feels awesome. My my, I guess the important thing is that people will be able to be changed by reading it. That's important to me is that people would realize the importance of turning things over to God and knowing that God is the one who started the process and, and God will finish it and that they can truly trust in him. Are you writing more? Are you thinking about publishing more? I have many, many books inside of my mind and in my heart. So hopefully I will have the time to be able to do so. Do you ever get stuck for ideas, a writer's block kind of situation? And how do you work through it if you do? Uh, I don't think I have writer's block. <clears throat> I think I have a lot of ideas in my heart. I just trying to seek for time to be able to do so, to actually sit down and, and write out those thoughts. But I do have many thoughts, and I don't think I have the writer's block that many people talk about. Do you have advice for aspiring authors now? Just write from their heart. What is it that's, you know, that's placed on your heart? What's that desire? What gives you passion? That's what you should write about, whatever it is that gives you passion. 
Is there a person in your life that you would say has most inspired you to take this writing journey? I would probably say, yes, the Holy Spirit is not a person as far as, you know, physically, but I think spiritually the, that God has inspired me to write these things. But I would also say my mother, she made sure that I had plenty of books, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in my bedroom to read. That's a good mother. At, yeah. So, and she was always encouraging me to make sure that, I mean, from a child, she made sure that I learned how to read and um, really inspired me in, in that, I would say. I have like just tons and tons of book in my, in my bedroom when I was a child. Um, and so, yes, my mom would definitely be the one who inspired me. That's fantastic to hear that your mother started you off early reading and really planted the seed of that passion in you. And you're spreading that to others today. Yes. We appreciate your work. This is The Great North Wind, Seasons of Life by Elizabeth Rose, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you find your books. Elizabeth, it was great chatting with you tonight. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Author John Beaton draws on his experience in the prison system in his new gripping novel, Incarcerated Walker, a Garrett Walker novel. John is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, thank you for chatting tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us all about Incarcerated Walker? What it is is I, uh, I was slated to go. I had a court date, and I was uh, kind of running from my legal troubles. And one day, the Friday before Labor Day, I flew from Seattle to Boise, and I turned myself in. I had a plea bargain for six weeks, and then time served with probation after that. And uh, when I got to court, after six weeks, the judge sentenced me to seven years in prison. He suspended the seven years, provided I live up to the rules of the writer program, which is a first-time felony boot camp in Cottonwood, Idaho, where we get up at five in the morning, we polish our boots, we iron our uniform, we make our bunks, we shave, we're inspection ready at six o'clock, and then we have chow, and then we have a morning meeting from 7 to 8, and then we're required to work 8 to 9, 9 to 10, 10 to 11. And then there's another count, and there's lunch, and we're required to work 1, 2, 3, and 4 in the afternoon. Then there's another count and dinner, and then the evening meeting. And then if you're lucky enough to be off restrictions like the senior people were, you got to go to rec. But if you were a new guy, you had to constantly be programming. And that meant you couldn't read any books. You had to read self-help books or study on your programming and work on your the requirements of the program that, that helped you graduate. And if you didn't graduate, then I'd get seven years. So I was highly motivated to, to do it right. What inspired you to write all this? Well, when I was when I was in jail, before I got to prison, I was doing a lot of reading. And there was a guy in there who wrote some short stories about his time in Vietnam. And he let me read them. They were very personal and they were very graphic and they were very good. And it started me thinking, hey, he wrote about his story, his situation. So I started writing about mine. So I actually started writing in jail and then it kind of became a journal. And the book is basically a condensed, fictionalized, and it's based on a true story. Most of it's true, but, you know, there's little creative liberties, of course. But uh, it's basically what happened to me when I was in prison. Have you ever written or been published before? I've never been published before. I did, I've done some writing, but not a whole lot. Since I got out of prison, I've been writing up a storm. And I've got the book, I rewrote the book about 10 times. And finally, now I finally got it published just here recently. 
and then I was in prison. Uh, I went to jail uh, when Katrina hit. So we were talking about what, 12, 14 years ago is when I, it actually happened, but it took me this long to get the book out. Well, that's a huge accomplishment being published, having your book on shelves up there for the world. How do you feel? Well, it's kind of a, I'm kind of bearing my soul to the world. Most people that go to jail or prison don't want to talk about it. They, they don't, they're embarrassed about their situation. They don't want everybody to know, but what I did was good. I, I made the best of a bad situation. I tried to benefit instead of sitting there whining and crying like a lot of the other guys that were in there and uh, try to make the best of it and make a positive out of negative. Do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors that want to tell their story too? Well, this is only my first book. And it's like I said, it's kind of based on a true story. I don't know if I could write fiction or not. I'm going to try, but we'll see. I don't really have any advice. I'm not senior enough. In fact, in the book, I don't really talk about my girlfriend or my son who are back home the whole time because I didn't want to write something that would offend them. Because like I said, this is my first book. I don't really want to bring my family into it for fear of pissing somebody off, basically. <laughs> so you're looking for maybe more publishing down the road? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a sequel that's uh, going, it's uh, kind of fills in the gap over the 14 years condensed. And then what's going to happen when the book does, when, when out the book's out, I'm going to probably do a promotional tour. Thank you for having the courage and the honesty to, like you said, bear your soul to the world. I'm sure that your story is going to inspire others, and I encourage listeners to check this out. It's going to be a great read. This is Incarcerated Walker, a Garrett Walker novel by John Beaton, published by Fulton Books. You can find this one on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you pick up your reading material. Well, John, it was great chatting with you tonight. Thank you for coming on the show. You bet. Thank you. One of the biggest dilemmas facing Christians is knowing what to do, but not how to do it. A Testimony Driven Life is the new book by Astro Williams Brantley and Robert Louis Brantley that offers help in the Christian walk. Right now, I'm talking with Robert and Astra here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We're very pleased to be here. It's very nice to have you. Can you tell us about A Testimony Driven Life? Yeah, well, it's a, a book that Astra and I collaborated on for 10 years. It addresses some of the enduring questions that Christians seem to have about, uh, you know, why was I born and how then shall I live and what is God going to expect out of me? And so our, this book attempts to address those three questions, why, how, and what. What's the story behind the book? What was the inspiration to write this? You know, she's a clinical psychologist, and um, I'm an ordained minister, and we were moved by the Holy Spirit to address some of the needs that we see in, in Christians and in the Christian church. And so, you know, our desire was to respond to his, his lead and to address the needs and questions that are, that are in, in Christians, and, and to provide a kind of a supplement book or tool, if you will, to the Bible. So the book is very, you know, biblically-based, Christ-centered, spirit-led. Robert, this book really focuses, it seems, on the personal testimony. Could you talk about that? Yes, we just think that it's absolutely important that Christians understand their personal testimony is really their primary purpose on this earth. And a testimony-driven life is really what we're about. In all of our teachings and, and counseling and presenting and writing, we're trying to convey the importance of personal testimony. 
it's not taught enough in church. Christians are not what we call mission ready because they're not being taught correctly by a church that, have, that is adaptive and overcoming. The way we overcome is by the word of our testimony. So that's central to everything that we do. We're trying to do all this in a crisis-focused world, but in an adversity-centered world. So it's, it's kind of tough, but it's what God wants from us. And indeed, a person actually living the life that they preach is far more effective than a person just saying, do this and do that. This is the way to live and not necessarily demonstrating that. So it's very important. Absolutely. It's very important. I, I wish I'd written that in the book, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time you've been published or written? It's my first time. Astra has been published before. She's published a book entitled, Why Be Bullied to Death? Collaboratively, we have uh, published a couple of journal articles. Oh, congratulations on publishing this. Is there more in your future? Absolutely. Astra is actually working on a couple of things. Her books have to do with psychology for the most part. She's working on a book about grief because she is really a, a, a grief and loss expert. And she's also working on an ebook about COVID-19. And we've co-authored a book, Tea and Testimony. It's a book that we've written, but it's not yet published. Tea and Testimony, Professional Coaching Toward Powerful Testimony. And then uh, her other two books are The Gift of Connected Community and Grief, and another book called But God Meant It for Good, A Christian Perspective on Stress. And then the third one is an ebook a model for managing grief and other resources during COVID-19. Well, it sounds like a great resource for Christians. I encourage listeners to check this out. It's A Testimony-Driven Life by Astra Williams Brantley and Robert Lewis Brantley, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you pick up your reading material. Well, Astra, Robert, it was fantastic having you on the show. Thank you so much for chatting tonight. Thank you. We appreciate it. It's really tough to find great jokes that you can tell your coworkers, your kids, and your pastor alike. Enter Adam Fraz's new book, Fundamentals, a collection of 70 times 7 clean jokes for Christians and friends. Adam is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, great having you. Could you tell us about Fundamentals? Okay, so Fundamentals is my first ever book. It is a joke book. And the reason why I say 70 times 7 is it totaled up to 490 jokes, mostly puns. And so that's why I titled it Fundamentals. And it also varies from various categories like um, church and Bible jokes, sports jokes, college jokes, and so on and so forth. There's 10 different categories in this book. Now what inspired you or gave you the idea to write this? I told jokes to my friends in college when I was having lunch or dinner in the college dining commons. And a few of my friends just kept pushing me to write a joke book. Like they were saying, Adam, you should write a joke book about this. And eventually I basically just compiled all the jokes that I have written through my college years and maybe even a few in my high school years. And eventually got to a big enough number where it was time to reach out to a publisher and see if I could get the book published. Is this the first time you've been published? Yes, it is. Congratulations. So what advice would you give to other authors looking to send their manuscripts out there or even just write their first book? One thing I would tell them is to definitely be creative. 
I believe creativity is one of the things that's definitely needed most in writing today's books, whether it's a novel or just a collection of jokes like me. For me, it took a lot of creativity and imagination to be able to write these down. And sometimes sometimes those thoughts would come up quickly and other times it would take a lot of time. With that said, I would also say to be patient and just to trust the process. If you end up having writer's block in the middle of writing your manuscript, just to be sure to take time to evaluate things and just to keep pushing on so you can eventually eventually finish that manuscript you've been writing and make it a great success. That's what I would tell them. This book is something of an anomaly in that it's clean, but it's very funny at the same time. Why do you think that's so rare anymore? That is a good question because, I mean, you even see in today's movies where the vulgarity in today's comedy is ever so present, if not increasing in today's world. Like for me, like as a follower of Christ, I believe that you don't have to have like dirty or crude humor to be able to not only write a book, but also just to enjoy good laughs with other people, like whether they're Christians or even people who maybe don't believe in God. And it's being able to share that kind of common theme. I think it's definitely something that like people can use today. And I think it's also a way to show that clean humor can oftentimes be better than the foul humor that we often see today. So is there more? Are you thinking of writing another? I do have a collection of more jokes that I've written like after this one, but it's still in the works and it's also to be determined depending on how well this book sells. Well, thank you for putting this out there. I encourage people to pick this up. Fundamentals, a collection of 70 times 7 clean jokes for Christians and friends by Adam Fraz published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and elsewhere. Adam, thank you for coming on the show tonight. It was great chatting with you. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, God bless you. Christian's short stories with moral messages is what readers will find in Larry Skeeter Mance's book, Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups. I'm talking with Larry right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Larry, thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome, Corey. Can you tell me about Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups? Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups is a collection of Christian-based short stories with a moral message but not preachy. Many of them are based on true stories that happened right here in Chicoa, Georgia, Stevens County, in which I was born and reared. What gave you the idea or inspired you to write this? Well, you know, I can't really answer that. I I've always had a close relationship with the Lord, and I just kind of follow His lead. There's been a time... Twice within five years, I almost died. And I thought to myself, if I didn't do this, it would be a, a, a great tragedy because he, he, he has said, to whom that much is given, much is required. So therefore, I felt that it would have been a crime for me not to have given all that I could give to make a difference in someone else's life. And what kind of people do you think you were writing this for? Who do you think could use this? Lost souls, those that are standing on the fence uh, that have never known the Lord. Uh, it was very important to me to make a positive difference in the lives of those I meet and greet, and even those that I don't, those hands that I may never shake or faces I may never see. And these are stories you say that, you know, husbands can read to wives and children can read to their parents and relatives in nursing homes. So there's something here for everybody. 
something for everybody. The book ages from seven, seven years old and up. So is this the first book you've written? It's not the first that I've written. It's the first that's been printed. Oh, congratulations for being published. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. My first book was A Teachable Moments, which, by the way, this, this is the second book in my Teachable Moments series. I'm hoping that uh, 2021, your first book, Teachable Moments, will get published. What kind of feeling did you get seeing your first book out there on shelves? A very grateful feeling. Uh, like I said, you know, I almost died twice in five years. Uh, it was wonderful to know that the Lord spared me long enough to see this happen. Do you have advice for aspiring authors, aspiring writers who want to get their book out there? Yes, I would say, by all means, follow the lead that the good Lord gives you. Throw everything out of your mind as far as any kind of money, any kind of fortune, any kind of fame, any kind of thing like that, and be more susceptible to doing the things that's going to make a difference when it comes to building of the kingdom of the Lord, and you'll be all right. Is there a certain person in your life that has inspired you the most on your writing journey? There have been people in my life, of course, like my sister, my mom, my dad, that have always wanted to live up to my fullest potential for it. But when it comes to writing, uh, it's basically just a good Lord. So you had a book before this. You're looking to get that published. Are you looking to writing more books in the future? Oh, indeed. As long as I have breath in my body. You know, it's a wonderful feeling when people let you know that you made a difference in their lives in their way of thinking and the way they view things and their approach to living. It's, it's, that's a very powerful thing, and uh, I'm grateful that he used me in such a way that, uh, that that happened and that I could get that kind of feedback while I was living. And we're certainly grateful for you using your talents and your gifts and experiences to encourage and to help others. This is Bedtime Stories for Grown-Ups by Larry Skeeter Mance, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this one on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you pick up your reading material. Well, Larry, thank you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure talking with you tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. Joseph the Carpenter from Nazareth is the new book by Glenn Lewis Kaiser, out now through Christian Faith Publishing. Glenn is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Glenn, thank you for joining me tonight. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. So, can you tell me all about Joseph the Carpenter from Nazareth? Yes, it's a biblical story about the life of Joseph and the role he played in God's master plan to send the people a plan of salvation, the forgiveness of their sins. How did you get the idea to write this book? Well, after my wife passed uh, in 2016, after 68 years, I was alone, and I had to face the f future by myself, and I fell into a, a bit of uh, depression. So I prayed to God uh, for deliverance and uh, asked him to give me a challenge. The next day, I actually heard his voice, and he spoke to me, and he said, I want you to write about your trip to Israel and to visit the Holy Land. It was to celebrate 50 years of marriage, and uh, we decided to go there because we wanted to walk the path that God walked and the uh, disciples and the events that occurred there. I was a little confused after that, and I thought... I didn't like what God had told me, but after thinking about it, he did give me my plan and uh, challenge. So I decided then to write about our trip 
And it suddenly came back that I had in my memory, 18 years, our visit to the city of Nazareth. It was the Church of the Annunciation. And it was originally the place where the angel Gabriel came and told the Virgin Mary that she was with child. They took us to a place which was believed to be the home and workshop of Joseph, the Virgin Mary, and the boy Jesus. That's when I decided, well, now I have the title of my book, Joseph the Carpenter from Nazareth. Now that I had the title, I was going to research the Bible and find everything I could about Joseph. So I went to the store and I purchased some lined paper, a box of pencils, and two large erasers, and began to sit down and write, when suddenly a voice became dictating to me and telling me what words to write. And that's how I wrote the book. Are you working on more projects, more publishing? Uh, yes, I, I have several more. The next one will not only be for the Christian faiths, but for all faiths and beliefs that exist in the world. What inspired me was the fact that the virus now is affecting the entire human race. This is the beginning to start the process now of making the world all one flesh and all one family and of all one belief. So that'll be my first book. I have two other ones. How to Resume Your Life After Your Spouse Dies is another one I'm writing, and uh, my biography, I'm writing that as well. This is Joseph the Carpenter from Nazareth by Glenn Lewis Kaiser, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and elsewhere. Glenn, thank you for coming on the show tonight. It was great talking with you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, and I thank you again for having me on your program. Leaders today are up against challenges like never before, and author Wade Runge wants to encourage and equip leaders in his new book, Good Shepherds Smell Like Sheep, Five Leadership Principles to Win in Uncertain Times. Wade is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Wade, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, the invitation. I uh, look forward to uh, having a conversation with you. Though I love the title of your book, Good Shepherds Smell Like Sheep. Can you tell me about it? Yes, well, Good Shepherds Smell Like Sheep is a book that was birthed out of a need to help leaders. Uh, and there's a lot of unhealthy leaders out here during these uh, difficult times to help them uh, be able to lead, be able to influence, and be able to help uh, sheep get to greener pastures during these uh, choppy waters, we're, in these choppy waters we're trying to navigate right now. What inspired you or motivated you to write this? Well, what inspired me was that I really felt a need to, to help other pastors get a better grasp and understanding how to lead and influence uh, sheep, because uh, really uh, we've been, a lot of us have been taught how to lead based on an authoritative model in the past, and going forward, we need to understand that influence is much greater than authority, because influence will get you to people to want to win with you and want to help them, uh, help everyone accomplish the goal together, where authority, sometimes people can do it begrudgingly. It's important to be able to influence people, to be able to help them uh, you know, just get through difficult times and seasons, just like we're going through right now. These are unprecedented times, and, and we really need to be able to help as leaders, help other people make it through this time we're living in. Talking about unprecedented times, why do you think it's so much more challenging right now to be in a leadership position than it has been in the past? That's a great question. Um, I tell you, it, it is difficult. And being a pastor, uh, and, and I'm a, a retired Marine. I served 20, 21 years in Marine Corps and combat tours, all that good stuff. And 
nothing really prepares you for what has been going on because as a leader, not only are you trying to make it through these times where it, it, you don't have a textbook to tell you exactly what to do and how to do, you're trying to help other people navigate this time where people have lost their jobs, people have sick, they've lost loved ones, a lot of uncertainty. And so we're just trying to get through the dark clouds uh, and make it through the other side. And I'm like, I'm using an analogy of a lighthouse. We're to be a lighthouse in the storm and help other people get the safety of the shores. Is this the first book you've written or have you been published before? Uh, this is my first book that I have written. So this is it was exciting. Exciting venture, uh, first time. So, congratulations on having the book up there for the world. How do, how does that feel? Oh man, it's uh it's humbling actually. So uh, you know, and then it's been really uh, a blessing and humbling because people have really uh, gravitated to it. Uh, the seminary I went to, uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary down in Wake Forest, they purchased a number of them, police departments, former Marine Corps units, and pastors around the country have been behind it. So it's really been humbling that. The, the, the support has been coming from all over the place because people are saying, man, they needed something to help them uh, from a, a perspective that I, I come from between the Marine Corps and pastoral leadership, being able to help people understand how to uh, just make it and, uh, you know, through, through these leadership principles. So it's been fun. This book is Good Shepherds Smell Like Sheep, Five Leadership Principles to Win in Uncertain Times by Wade Runge, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and anywhere else you get your reading material. Wade, it was great speaking with you tonight. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the interview. Thank you for the time, and thank you for just the shout-out. And uh, I pray you have a a blessed day, and listen, audience, I pray that you uh, get an opportunity to check out this book, Good Shepherd Smell Like Sheep. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.